world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard To Raise, Diane shares tips on managing chronic pain and preventing pressure sores. And we'd like to welcome those of you in Great Britain to our growing family of listeners. Welcome to Parents Are Hard To Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. So I went to visit a client this week. I hadn't seen her in about a month because, you know, the holidays, she went by her son for the holidays and she was gone for about two weeks. And so I went to see her and usually she answers the door to greet me. But when I rang the bell, she, she just called out, oh, Diane, the door is open. So I thought, geez, you know, well, maybe she's busy doing something. But when I walked in, she was, you know, sitting in the living room in her chair, but she was, you could see she was kind of stiff and leaning to one side. And I looked at her face and I could see that, you know, something was, wasn't right, that she was in pain to me. So she said to me, oh, just go in the kitchen, help yourself to coffee. And that's not like Sadie, because usually she's like running me over to get me coffee, you know. So I'm like, hmm, something's wrong. So I, I said to her, Sadie, you don't feel well? You know, what's wrong? Are you in pain? Because that's my, always my first thing. What's wrong? Are you in pain? And she said, I don't like to complain about it. So I said to her, but I can see something's wrong, you know, that you don't feel good. And she gives me that look. And then she says, well, how do you know that I don't feel good? And I said, because I know you. And you're, first of all, you're kind of stiff and you're leaning to one side. And I could see, you know, on your face that you're in pain. So she gives me that look again. And then she said, well, my knee and my hip are killing me. And it hurts to walk. But please don't tell anyone. If my son finds out, he'll take me to the doctor, and then the doctor will start doing all these tests on me, and then they're going to put me in a nursing home. <laughs> so I, I look at her, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this poor thing. Now, Sadie has osteoarthritis, and that's, you know, some of you may know it as degenerative joint disease or degenerative arthritis or wear and tear arthritis. And... You know, simply, it's the cartilage, which is the cushion between the joints, it breaks down, and it causes pain or swelling and stiffness. So there's problems moving the joint. It's kind of like mechanical stress. And the hips and knees are commonly affected because they're weight-bearing joints. But it could affect the joints of the fingers, the thumbs, the thumbs, the spine. So a lot of times what happens is the pain leads to not moving the affected joint and 
the muscle starts wasting around the joint and you have limited physical activity. So then you have that general downsliding of the overall physical strength and uh, you're weak because you're not moving, which in, you know, hospital terms they call deconditioning. They discharge people with that term, deconditioning. So I, uh, we don't want that to happen because you have that downslide and you have a risk for falling, etc. So I said to her, well, Sadie, have you been taking your medicine? Because I know she's on medicine. And she says, yes, I've been taking it. And then I said, well, were you doing the exercises, you know, that the the doctor ordered and the physical therapist, you know, showed you. And, you know, she looks at me and she says, well, I haven't been really keeping them up because, you know, the holidays. And then I went by my son and, you know, I was busy there, which, you know, happens and she's out of her routine. So also, you know, I say to her, well, you know, it's been very cold here, which it has and, and damp. And that can make a person with osteoarthritis have stiffness. So, I say to Sadie, listen, I'm not calling your son, you know, but we should call the doctor and see what he says. And when your physical therapist comes, we definitely have to tell her as well. So she's looking at me and she's like, well, all right. So we do call the doctor. And, you know, fortunately for me, he didn't say, well, Sadie has to come in because then I think I would have had a fight on my hands. But he said he had just seen her fairly recently and he said, well, he adjusted her medicine and he said to her, you know, maybe the weather did affect it. And he he suggested apply heat to her, her knee and her hip and to talk to the physical therapist as well when she comes. And he said, but if you're not feeling better in a week or two, then you have to make an appointment. So I said to Sadie, so now don't you feel better? You know, you were, you went from having this pain, which evolved into you're sitting here in pain, but you're thinking I'm going into a nursing home. And she says, well, yeah. So I said to her, you know, and, and, it's up to you if you want to tell your son, you know, but, but at least now, you know, okay, it's probably, you know, a combination of just your osteoarthritis acting up and not doing your exercises, etc. The the cold. So I thought about it, you know, I'm leaving her house and I'm thinking about it. And you know, what bothers me is Sadie's probably not the only one that, you know, thinks about, pain and the common misconception of what pain will 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 do you know if they tell anybody about their pain so I'm thinking about all the common misconceptions you know mom or dad might have about their pain or even us or anyone so what are they well here's the top three with Sadie if she complained about the pain well that's a sign of weakness because she didn't want to complain or Complaining about the pain would lead to unpleasant medical tests. Or complaining about the pain would result in her losing her independence. That's a big one for for our parents. And some people think, well, nothing can be done about some some kinds of pain. Or people who complain of pain or just have trying to get attention. Or my mother always complains about something hurting. Or pain is a sign of aging. 
Some people even think pain is punishment for past actions. Pain is a sign of serious illness or impending death. Some people think the elderly have a higher pain tolerance or confused people, you know, or people with dementia or Alzheimer's have a higher pain tolerance. So these ideas aren't, aren't right because pain is a sign that something's wrong with the body. And pain doesn't just happen because we're getting old. So, you know, I tell my clients, if something hurts, then you have to call your doctor. We all want our parents to live without pain. And we, sh so I always say, you know, we have to call the doctor, see what he says, get some kind of treatment if we can, or some kind of relief or some way to manage the pain. And I, I said to Sadie, you know, if you trust your doctor, then there's no problem. And you trust thinking, okay, this is what my doctor says. So this is, you trust yourself and you say, yes, okay, that makes sense. And this is what I'm going to do. So I thought about it and I said, well, maybe, you know, we have to understand pain a little better. And that might help us understand mom or dad. So, you know, pain it's an unpleasant sensation and it's an emotional experience. And we have to kind of realize if mom and dad, you know, when they say they're in pain, it's whatever they're experiencing says it is. We have to realize that. And the pain does exist if the person says it does. You know, when we go to the doctor, they check you know, four major vital signs, your blood pressure, your temperature, your pulse, your respirations. In addition, you'll notice, you know, um, and you'll even even notice on that sheet that I set, set up for you when you go to the doctor, things, you know, you want to tell the doctor. And they're going to, we want the doctor to ask, well, are you experiencing any pain? So asking that question is now being called the fifth vital sign. Are you having pain? Because the presence of pain is an indication that there's a problem and that we have to investigate it. So I always ask, and that's what I said, you know, when I started to tell you this story, are you having pain? You know, we want to look. I noticed Sadie had some nonverbal signs of pain. So if you notice mom and dad, if you ask them, are you having pain? And they are, or if you know them if you can see on their face they're having pain or if their body's stiff, they're showing some nonverbal signs. You know, you want to call the doctor. You want to try to help them get rid of the pain. Mom or dad knows how he or she is feeling, how much pain they're experiencing. They're the person having the pain, so they really are the expert on their pain. So we can't really say, nah, you're not in pain or you're not, it's not really that bad. So we kind of have to believe them on what they're telling us about their pain. So now, how do you know if someone's in pain if they can't or won't tell you? Well, they have guarded movements. Their face, they may be grimacing. They have a rapid heartbeat or they have rapid breathing. They could be sad or depressed. They could have an elevated blood pressure. They can't sleep or they're restless. They could be moaning or groaning or sighing. They could be tensing their muscles or bracing. Now, there are different types of pain. With Sadie, she has chronic pain. And that's the arthritis. You know, it's persistent 
and its ongoing pain. It could last weeks, it could last months, it could last years. Sometimes the pain originates by an injury or an illness that was cured, but for unknown reasons, the pain continues. Chronic pain could be from an incurable disease causing the pain, like cancer. Chronic pain can even occur without any known injury or illness causing it. So with chronic pain, the best that can be done in these situations is to treat the pain without you're, you're basically not curing the underlying disease. Now, chronic pain is not always constant and continuous, but it can come and go. Sometimes it becomes very sharp or severe for a time, and then it subsides. With chronic pain, the person can become disabled because it's disabling to live with because the pain makes it too painful or tiring to do what they do every day, and that's what we want to avoid. And the chronic pain is caused when the nervous system keeps sending out those pain signals repeatedly. Chronic pain can cause loss of appetite, depression, irritability, sleeplessness. And the person can get caught in that vicious cycle of exhaustion, depression, and not moving. And that makes the pain worse. So we want to, how do we manage our parent with chronic pain? We have to make sure they're taking their medication as prescribed on time in the correct dosage. Or maybe the doctors just said takes an over-the-counter um, treatment, but we want to make sure they're doing what they should be doing. I went into another client's house the other day and she has uh, pill boxes set up. And I, I walk in and I'm like, oh, hi, you know, and I'm talking to her and I'm saying, I notice pills on the floor, but the pill box is empty for that day. So we have to make sure that our parents are taking the medication as prescribed. And when we come back from the break, I'll continue with how do we manage our parents' chronic pain. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise, and although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? 
Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. And speaking of Lipstick Bodyguard, the company, which is a small company in the U.S., told me that they're sold out because so many people have bought Lipstick Bodyguards. So that's great because it's great protection. And they're only sold out temporarily for about a week or so. And I want to welcome our new listeners in Great Britain. Thank you so much for listening. In Suffolk, Essex, Norfolk, London, and Cambridge Shire. We welcome you and we're so happy that you're listening. And I want to just continue now. We were talking about how to um, manage our mom and dad's chronic pain. And another way is mild exercise, which helps increase their flexibility and strength and relieves the muscle stress that can cause backaches, headaches, and fatigue. And you know, exercises. Now, like Sadie, she hadn't been doing her exercises. Her uh, physical therapist, uh, her doctor had ordered range of motion exercises, which her physical therapist had shown her how to do. And those range of motion exercises, what they are are just exercises that put a particular joint through its full arc of motion. So you're working that joint. And why to decrease or prevent contractures, which which is that permanent stiffness of a joint or a muscle, and to improve strength and increase circulation. And there are uh, passive range of motion exercises where, you know, if your mom and dad, maybe they had a stroke, they can't move. Um, so the physical therapist taught the home health aide or a family member how you're going to move mom and dad. You're going to move their arms or legs. There is active range of motion where your mom is doing the exercises herself. And now there's active assisted range of motion exercises where mom does them with some assistance and support from you or her, her aide or her physical therapist. So also, exercising in warm water is helpful for arthritis sufferers because the water relaxes and supports the muscles, making the exercises easier to perform. You know, you always see on those advertisements for um, senior citizen communities where they have the pools, and you always see all the older people exercising in the water. They always have water exercises. So those are great. A warm shower um, is also good. Warm or cool compresses applied to the painful area. It can bring temporary relief for headache, backache, or arthritis. Gently positioning the body in good alignment. You can use pillows for support. Always you want to frequently change positions. And you can um, give a back rub or a massage because that helps you know, relax a person that helps with back pain. But if the painful area is red or swollen, don't massage it until the doctor's seen it. 
you know, you want to encourage the person to maybe, if they're in pain, you know, slow, deep breaths, have a calm, quiet environment. Sometimes soft music can distract them from the pain. And what's a good distraction from the pain is a sympathetic ear, you know, someone to talk to. And, you know, if they, you know, if the person doesn't feel like you think, oh, I don't want to complain and I'm always complaining. If they, you know, they just start to talk to you and, you know, maybe you talk to them about something else, but they have somebody to talk to and just kind of distract them. And they feel good if somebody doesn't, you know, if you don't say, ah, you know, that pain isn't anything or my, you're always in pain. You know, we just want to be sympathetic to them. I've gotten a lot of emails on, um, you know, parents who have gone in the hospital and then have gone to a rehab facility, you know, for a period of time and then have come home with some kind of um, new ailment or ulcer, a bed sore, a pressure ulcer. You know, and people are saying, my gosh, you know, mom and dad went to a hospital, they went to a rehab to get better, and then they come home with this. Is this, you know, a common result of going to a hospital or a nursing home? Well, you know, we had talked about choosing a rehab facility, you know, things to do, things to look for. Um, but what happens sometimes in a nursing home, you know, if your mom and dad is laying in a bed in a hospital for a period of time, and, you know, when, when, when you're home, we say if a person's bed bound or in a chair, you know, you want to move them, you want to reposition them. If they're in a hospital for a period of time, that's why we want you to visit if you can or have an aide there with them or someone there with them or in a rehab facility because you want to make sure they are being repositioned. Uh, they are being moved from bed to chair. And, you know, if they're not, then what happens is they're, they're not moving and they ha maybe they can't move themselves or and someone isn't moving them. They're not getting out of bed. They're not changing position. And what happens is because they're not changing position, the skin deteriorates from the pressure. The blood isn't circulating well. Sores form, swelling, and they can become infected. And usually uh, the skin, uh, you know, becomes infected on those pressure points. Those pressure points are areas of the body that bear much of the body's weight. So those pressure points are mainly located at areas of, of the body where the bone lies close to the skin. You know, there's little fat or padding like the elbows, the shoulder blades, the tailbone, the hip bones, the ankle, the ankles, the heels, the back and neck, the back of the neck and the head, your ears or the sacrum. So simply put, the pressure caused by not moving creates less circulation. The skin receives less oxygen, less nutrients. The cells and tissues start to break down, and there's the result, a pressure sore. So once the sore forms, it can become large, deep, infected. It can affect muscle. Pressure sores are very painful. They're difficult to heal. So we don't want the skin to break down. You know... Does it happen in nursing homes? It does. It shouldn't, but it does. So what do we want to look for on the skin? 
And you want to do this even, you know, your parent is at home and you're taking care of them or you have someone coming in the home, you know, that's why when you want to have a professional taking care of them or you want to call a professional to have someone come and teach you if if that's the case, if mom or dad and you're taking care of them because you want to know signs to look for on the skin. Is the skin you know, is there an area on the skin that's pale or white or is it red in color? And darker skin may look purple and that discoloration doesn't go away when you change their position. Is the skin blistered or bruised? You know, is mom or dad complaining of tingling or burning in an area or is it warm? Is the skin dry or flaking? Are they itching or scratching? Is there broken skin? Is it swelling? Look between the toes, you know, is there redness or there's broken skin between the toes or around the toenails? You know, is there a wound that's open or is, is the skin draining? What increases the risk of pressure sores? Well, it's pressure, immobility, poor nutrition. Are they not, you know, are your parents not drinking enough? Are they not properly hydrated? Poor circulation. Incontinence, we had talked about that, you know, incontinence, the skin can break down. So what we need to do, we have to reposition them every two hours. You know, if your parent, you know, you help them out of the bed, for instance, but then they're sitting in a chair all day, you know, that's no good. They have to move. They have to be repositioned because you don't want them pressure in on certain areas. The skin has to be clean and dry. So, you know, when your mom and dad gets out of the hospital, uh, they'll say to you, well, we can send a home health aide, we can send a nurse and a home health aide and a physical therapist to come through Medicare or through your insurance. And a lot of people say, nah, I don't need that. But one of the things, very important, they're making sure that your parent is bathed and is bathed properly. And We'll say, you know, a lot of people say, well, they have to bathe and then the person can do the other things. Yeah, because we want to make sure the skin is clean, dry, you know, that the person is checking their skin to make sure. Because if they're not bathing every day, you're not checking the skin every day. And that pressure sore can just appear and it can appear quickly. You want to make sure they're they're dried properly, dry between their toe dry under the skin folds, you know, under the breasts, under warm, moist areas. Don't use a lot of powder or lotion. Make sure mom and dad, they're eating properly. They're drinking properly. You know, the skin, we have to remember, is an organ, so it has to be hydrated. If they're scratching or their skin's irritated, a lot of times they might not be wearing the proper shoes or slippers, and they're causing blisters or sores, so you want to make sure that you know, that they have the right shoes on or slippers. On their bed, you want to make sure that that bottom sheet is tight and free from wrinkles and make sure there's no crumbs in the bed. <laughs> um, you'll be surprised what you might find in there. Um, you know, and if you're turning dad or mom, you know, if you're doing that and you're repositioning them, don't pull them across the sheet. You don't want their skin rubbing against anything because the, that can cause pressure and the skin can break down. You should massage, you know, healthy skin. But of course, if there's red areas, contact the doctor. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to put pressure on those reddened areas. 
they have, um, you know, if mom or dad is sitting in a chair or they're in bed, you know, you, you want to be turning them every two hours. That's, that's the norm. Every two hours, you want to reposition them and turn them. But also they have, you know, sheepskin that you can put under their back, under their butt, because that will absorb the moisture. And that also can protect the skin from, you know, the, the material, the sheets or, their wheelchair this that irritating them they also have sheepskin pads you know for the elbows the heels they have uh, wedges you can reposition with pillows they also have ripple mattresses which lets the air circulate those ripples stop the pressure um, bed cradle they have bed cradle bed cradles which look like these um contraptions these wire contraptions but it holds the sheet or the blanket so it's not resting or touching on the skin you know sadly uh you know bed sores are a common result of a nursing home stay or a rehab stay so you want to make sure or a hospital stay so you want to make sure you want to check on where their your parent is going for rehab you want to make sure you know I I have in um, one of the previous episodes about choosing a rehab and you also we say you need someone going to the hospital you need someone going to the rehab to make sure that they're being taken care of and as well when they come home and you know i was i we had a few weeks ago um snow in the northeast and there was like a blizzard and there was a state of emergency in uh certain parts of new jersey where we were and it was funny because people were saying to me you know um my aide couldn't come and I don't know why the aide or the nurse or the physical therapist, you know, it was a blizzard and the wind was bad, you know, and they didn't plow us out. But I don't know why the person couldn't come. And, you know, I think sometimes we think of um, people in the medical field, doctors, nurses, uh, physical therapists, home health aides. We think of them as superhuman. And, you know, we think, what do you mean that? You know, the nurse can't come in a blizzard. She can't get out. It's only a blizzard. You know, what do you mean she needs a day off? Or what do you mean she's sick? Or, you know, we don't think about them as being human, that they have families of their own. You know, where they have sick parents. Or maybe they do just need a day off, just like all of us. Maybe they just need a survival tip <laughs> of the week. So myself included sometimes I think what do you mean you know I'm at a house and I'm thinking what do you mean you can't make it <laughs> you know we have to think of them as human and we have to appreciate them each and every day because they do a phenomenal job as well as you as a caregiver so as usual I've talked too much so my survival tip of the week is call a friend Call a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and reminisce, talk about what's going on, laugh, and enjoy each other. Make time for that. You'll feel better, and so will your friend. If this week's show was helpful to you, please tell someone you know. Like us on Facebook. Please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play because that helps other people find our show. 
And your friends, they can subscribe to the show using iTunes. You can find links to the topics we just talked about in the show notes for today's episode. Episode 42 at parentsarehardtoraise.org. I also wrote a, a blog post um, all about decubitus, and it was an entire article on it. And you can find that on the website, parentsarehardtoraise.org. You can find it on um, my website, dianeberardi.com. And you can also find it in the show notes for today's episode, episode 42. Please keep sending those emails. Tell me if there's something you're struggling with. Email me at diane at parentsarehardtoraise.org. Also, you can reach me through my website, dianeberardi.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Parents Are Hard to Raise podcast, and I tweet at Jersey Elder Care. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterSync Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, LLC, New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next week.